0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience revelatory teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to another amazing, fantastic, we don't know what's going to happen straight from the throne of God episode of (laughs) the ABCs of Apostleship to Discipling Apostolic Christians, scripturally organic, culturally unmodified. We just keep, this thing keeps expanding and growing. Uh, Welcome to this evening's broadcast. Last week, if you missed it, you need to go back and check it out. One of the statements Dr. Price made, uh, questions I should say she asked, was do you have a hybrid Christianity? Selah, crickets, and help me, Lord. (laughs) That's a question people don't tend to ask you, which is why we need apostles. Do you have a hybrid Christianity? Those are statements that you typically don't hear together. When you think hybrid, well, now you think car. (laughs) And then when you think about what that is, as far as what a hybrid car is, what that is to your Christianity. She made some other key key statements. You will never have more faith in God than the word you heard. You cannot get the wisdom of God without the word of God, which is why you and I are all in shock right now, having been saved over 20 or 30 years, discovering the wisdom that we thought was godly wisdom wasn't godly wisdom simply because it wasn't rooted in his word as he wrote it, which is why we are going scripturally organic. I would say this journey feels much like coming off of preservatives. You know you should do it. your body's telling you you should do it. many of you, your Christianity is crashing left and right just like your body crashes when you are deprived of all kind of nutrients. and you, know, you first go organic, you're like this tastes it's missing something it's mm. what, what what is that? It's all those preservatives that tell you that killing yourself tastes good. Sure. And when you go organic with the scripture, you go back to the word. That means you put away all the tapes, you know, other, other people's interpretations, I should say, of the word, all these commentaries that people do. All these other things are the additives that have deconstructed the chain, the organic chain of the word of God. And lastly, um, she said, do you love God or like him? Well, that's not the last thing she said, but that's the last thing I'll address. When you love someone, you are in their stuff, good, bad, and ugly. Ooh. And you could tell the saints, when you really love God, you are in that word. I'm like, yeah, I know, because God said, ooh, and we have to. And you love his reasons. You appreciate them. You desire and you seek out, well, why did he say that? Who's the saint? If you don't know if you're that saint who really loves God, if you're that saint who says, well, but why did he do that? Boom. You are a candidate. For the true love of God, not just loving our brethren and accepting all their sin and not caring, but actually caring why God calls sin sin, and you know, why He judges it the way He judges it. And she also addressed sin, um, but that I think was more on the Sunday as well. <laughs> Praise the Lord and hallelujah! You can't get enough of Dr. Price. Tune in on Sunday to scripturally organic Sundays, where she is breaking this thing down on levels we didn't even know existed. And one okay, okay, this is the last thought from last week. When you said God's silence is not golden, be very afraid because it's going to cause you to fear him another way. God is winking at your sin, but he's waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and waiting and waiting. So Doctor Price, that's my recap. That's from you. last week. You know, I'm loving this <laughs> recap, you know. I, I I gotta tell you actually,
1: I love the recap because it thrills me. I'm, I'm I'm fighting to not become a stage mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a battle. I gotta tell you, I am fighting not to become stage mom mm-hmm. because I get a. I mean, I rejoice in what God has done. I remember you all sitting in my living room when I first. I'd only been in Tulsa for a year, not even a year, because I got here like well maybe a year. And I've got what, seven young women? Mm-hmm. That was that resurrection Sunday? That resurrection Sunday this year. You know, we're coming up on 17 years ago. <laughs> seven young women sat in my living room, friends of my daughter from college, who were Christian women, young women, Christian, confused. And in college, not knowing where you're going to go, but no, you didn't want to leave Jesus Christ. And I remember prophesying to each one of you that day, all seven of you, about who you are, what you would be, what you're doing, where you're going, how God's going to use you. I was just so thrilled with myself. It was wonderful. But did I know? I did not. I was literally prophesying you into my destiny, and I hadn't discovered it yet.
0: <sighs> and
1: we didn't have a church. I didn't have anything going on. I was still traveling, and I remember saying that you were going to do wonderful things in media. I remember prophesying to you, Ashley, that, you're, that the, the, you were called to do more of a journalistic kind of thing, but you shouldn't stop. Talked about that, that whole what God is going to do in your life, and even... The, that you should be encouraged. I remember prophesying to every one of you, mm-hmm. and yet 10 years ago, God, be praised. Here you are, and the majority of you are still here. Now you're management. You know, now you're part of the leadership. You're, you're running the thing. You're running what, what didn't even exist. And uh, I think about that often. So when I hear you or I hear uh, Tyler on Wednesday Warriors or Dia and her very precious program on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. When I hear that, I remember those young women sitting there trying to get through college, didn't know you had a call to ministry, not, not to mention that you wouldn't be, you know, right. going back home. And every one of you took the Abrahamic challenge. You know, I think about that. I think we had one person there that was a native Oklahoman. Is that right, a resident of Oklahoma? Everyone else was from other parts of the country. And I remember thinking when you got out of school, okay, so what are they going to do? Because you all dove right in. You have been hands-in helping to build this when we knew what we were doing, when we didn't know what we were doing, when we weren't doing what we thought we were doing. But you would, you dug in. And And I remember that Abrahamic charge, because you could have gone home after college, you graduated, and you told your family, this is what God called me to do. This is where God sent me. You know, I think about our come-home team right now, and I'm saying, but everything about this has been transplants and residents. You know, I'm from New Jersey, sent here by the Lord. You're from Pennsylvania with someone that came from Florida, well, we have a few that came from Florida. Florida, came, you know, Florida gave it up for us, you know. Yes, yeah, Florida's been very good to us. We love Florida. And so, so a few of you all came from Florida. Some of you came from, uh, you know, the New England states and, yeah, uh, and Virginia. I mean, I think about it, and you all made up your mind. You were like David, you know, and like Abraham. You went to a city you know not to do what you don't know what you're going to do, don't know why you're going. But all you know is that the Lord sent you because there was an inheritance there. And so when I hear you do the recap, you know, you went from what? What? Prophecy is what? Are prophets gone? Are they still today? You know, you went from that to now moving out of the office of the prophet into the office of the apostle, which is what we saw from the very beginning when I met you. So, yes, I get a kick out of it. I'm having a very difficult time. Not being a stage mom. I get so excited when I see Tyler and they're yelling on, on Wednesday evenings. I get, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know? And um, I think about how she sat at my feet from a little girl. She just would not leave. She had, she'd come with her little notebook and her precious moment Bible. She
0: recruited us in college. So okay. I mean,
1: let's tell like <laughs> she really did. Or
0: drafted. I it was like a draft.
1: Yeah, you all were drafted.
0: Because you <laughs> You and we were all just kind of not getting fed in the churches we were in. And she was like, well, my mom went to church. And I was like, okay, now, of course, you were traveling all the time. So did you know? how long did it take us to actually meet you? Uh, <laughs> few uh, yeah, it was a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and um, she sure did. She, she uh, drafted us. And I'm thinking my introduction to the prophetic here was, uh, Her teaching instructing the contemporary
1: process. <laughs> like, yeah, we threw you in the deep, po- deep, deep pocket. And I
0: remember thinking, isn't there a simpler version? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shouldn't I be starting off Or something easier? <laughs> <laughs> Did you
0: know I
1: have no idea what he's talking about? I'm telling
0: you. <laughs> And,
1: we got it. To, and, and you stayed with it because your spirit was getting it. Yeah. You were changing and yes. you were growing, nice. even though your mind was the last one to get the, re- the revelation. Your soul was growing in God, and I watched you grow co- closer to Him. I watched Him change you from, you know, culture. You all were very cultural when you came. Change you, you from. That, oh no 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 no. turns you from culture consciousness and costume. You know, because culture has a costume too. We don't talk about, but. And changed you into women of God and so I listen to you now. I'm excited and I think, Yay, it works. I remember when one of our leaders said, Well you know, who's gonna believe this but these kids? You know, and you all were snubbed and and all of that, and it didn't matter. You were fighters. Even then, little top fighters, you know, but and I was thinking about Tyler because I was telling someone recently, Tyler would come with her little precious moment Bible. She's like seven, nine, twelve. 14, you know, right on up until she went to college. And then she, when I got here again, she came back with this little Bible. But, you know, as she had her little notebook as she would have questions about Jesus because God was giving her spectacular dreams. That is what makes what Prophet Adia does on Saturday so important to me because I think about it. if my daughter hadn't been with me, look at the power that she's moving in. Look at her, her hunger, her devotion to God. I mean, she would have been a lost mess, but she would have been a potent one. Just, some, just a lost mess, and and uh, so I think about that. For those of you all who have prophetic kids, very highly sensitive children, prophet did does a Saturday morning kids show. It's brief, but it's sweet, and you need to go and go to my website, Dr. Paula A. Price, and check it out. And tell your kids how to be a part of it. She does it on YouTube. Several parents have been, you know, commenting and and, and watching with their children, and then we have Prophet Ashley on on a. Uh, Hey, Friday night prayer, midnight hour, and, and and when she's just praying for you, using that prophet's mantle to bring to pass God's will in your life is powerful. I, I can't tell you. And so I look at them now, and I remember those those college kids. I think, I, I think Adia was, what, 19? She was
0: um just turning 19 just turning 19 I it was just turning 21 okay i mean think about all
1: of that time and i'm telling you faithful women not we're here we're gone not you're not got to find a man got to find a boyfriend got to got to get pregnant got to do something none of that but faithful to God i count myself most blessed with what the lord gave me and, I, and, and grew, we grew, we fought together, you know, right, and right now we're kind of like David's mighty men. We've been so close, you know, everybody goes up together at the same time because, well, who else can do this? And so I'm, I'm excited. I, I really am. For those of you who are serving leaders, you're young, don't buy the culture hype. You don't have to get married just because you're young. Trust me, you serve a God that put eggs in a dead woman okay, Sarah's womb dead, You there's no such thing as your biological clock running out because God is the timepiece on all biological clocks. And so don't, don't buy the hype. If God gave you an assignment, believe in the Lord your God, and so will you be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. Stay with your grow. Become who you are because I can't tell you. How many, and I know that some of, there are a lot of happy marriages out there. Please hear me. I'm sure that there are enough number of them, certainly not enough, if the divorce rate is over 50%. But let's just say it's a lot anyway. But the majority of people who marry young, myself included, you, you wake up 10 years later and find out that you are married to what you didn't walk down the aisle with, and you don't know yourself. You don't know whether you're good or bad. You don't know whether you're like this or that. You don't know what you feel. All you know is that you are becoming something else with someone else. And you don't know what that is. The reason so many ministry marriages are, are in divorce now is because they got married too early. They didn't want to wait. The divorce rate is high among ministers. is because you fall in love with what as a kid, and a kid's love and an adult's love, two different things. I wouldn't dare say puppy love or anything foolish like that, but you have to make sure that what you feel today you want to live with until you die. And you have to be pretty sure of what it's going to turn into because most people marry the cocoon. The butterfly doesn't come to later in life. And a lot of you have divorced cocoons. You know, you, you marry one thing and then they grew up. I, it happened to me. I was one thing when I got married, I turned into this. Who knew? I never knew. And, but, but, but not a lot of people have the courage to pursue that or the spouse that will let them. Because you have to recognize who you walk down the aisle with as a young person is not who you're going to celebrate your 10-year anniversary with. And you have to make sure that what you traded off for that cake and that ring and those creature comforts at home will not come back on you later on in frustration and resentment and anger. And now a house full of kids, maybe two or three marriages later, because all you know how to do is to get married to feel like a, a person. That's all you know how to do. And all you know how to do is break up because of a date. A marriage is a long date. And so I will tell you, I, I I'm excited about these young women. Got it all out of this travel, traveled the world, did this, did that. Now let's hey, we can enjoy our families. There's not resentment. that's backing up in your body, making you sick, making you bitter, making you old. And this is men and females, male and females. It's not just women. Make sure that what you marry is what you want to. Watch grow into something else because I'm telling you, if you're young, you're marrying a cocoon, and you don't know what's coming out of that cocoon. You don't know what that butterfly will be, and you don't know if it won't fly away from you. That's just a piece of counsel to somebody, and I don't know who you are because that wasn't what I planned, but, you know, you cannot choose a bad marriage and tell God to make it work. You cannot choose an incompatible spouse and tell God to make them compatible. What God's to, The best he can do with a situation like that is to give you grace, patience, and mercy, and long-suffering like he has. You know, Jesus has a spouse that doesn't, doesn't do him right either, and he's rolling with it. You. you can't say he doesn't understand what it is to have a hedgefall, unreliable, on and on and on spouse, because the church is the bride of Christ. And I know we're working him over pretty well these days. But you cannot choose a bad marriage. You cannot choose an impulsive marriage and ask God to change the person into what you dreamed. You didn't ask God for a dream. You asked God to cease being single. He gave you what you asked for because your dream person might have been the person that you're going to become, not the person that wants to race down the aisle. i this talking to any of you tonight because God's heart is so bothered by so many of you are racing down the aisle because a preacher said so. And usually those people who push you to get married have unhappy marriages. I've only known two people in my life who were enamored with marriage and had a happy marriage. Most of them secretly, they got married too young, there's resentment, there's bitterness, there's incompatibility, there is this is not what I asked for, this is not what I thought. I mean, how many times have you married some, seen somebody marry a vivacious, vibrant person from high school who turns into be a dud on the, on the couch? Because you married what you saw, not what was. And visual marriages don't ever work out like that. Because what you see in high school is still developing. It's still forming. And it's and, and interesting, spousehood changes people. It brings out another side of people. It brings out the scales of responsibility and, the, and duty and, and obligation and respect. All of those scales are not there when you're in college and not there when you're young. All you have to do in college is just get a degree. You don't know people. So, you know, my prayer is that the church stops running people through the altar to the divorce court. And that's my prayer. If you're going to prophesy somebody's marriage, you better have the power to make it go and to keep it together. You better have the power, the wisdom, the influence in their lives, the control, and even the influence of the Almighty to keep it together. I don't prophesy marriages a lot. I think maybe two or three in my life. And my whole, because, well, because most of the people who want to get married shouldn't, you know. My, in my my estimation, I just don't tell them anymore because, you know, they start crying and going out lying on you. You know, Saints got to lie when, they, when they're not going to do right, you know. They're always going to pass the buck because they got to blame shit. That's the adamant thing. It's this woman you gave me, you know. And, and, and you know, a woman is like, but he, hey, the snake, the snake made me do it. He's like, the woman made me do it. And, and then I don't look behind him and there's nobody in the eye. He's male. I don't know. I'm blaming blamesmith. He seems good at this. But, so I don't prophesy marriages a lot because people will misrepresent you. I've had people I've sat down and counseled with told them not to get divorced. They got divorced anyway and swear I was reason why. Because they didn't think it was gonna be so lonely. They didn't think it was gonna be so difficult to separate and walk away. I have other people that I told I'm telling you that's, that's that's not your no. That's not your husband, that's not your wife, that's someone else's. Oh well, I know, but I heard from God. But if you go on and do that and then you get mad at God, and then you blame God because God didn't keep it together. God's like, I didn't put it together, so I don't have to keep it together. Now, I hate divorce, but if you've already ignored me by, not, by marrying someone that I didn't put together, you certainly aren't going to ignore me about fighting for it because you're going to ignore me. That's what, we, that's what we do, So especially in this time. So my encouragement to some of you young people, I don't care if the pastor is your daddy, your mama. I don't care if there's a the bishop. I don't care if they're a the shift up, the shut up, the push up. I don't care. I'm telling you, it's your life, and you've got to live it, and you better make sure that what you're walking down the aisle with is what you want to wake up to 10 years from today. 20 years from today. You better make sure those dreams are going to be the same. You better make sure that those fantasies that you're having over coffee in the restaurant are real- can be made a reality. Make sure that they're not just dreams. Make sure that they're visions. The question, because there are a lot of dreams that are fantasies and only a few are visions. And you have to make sure that that person has the wherewithal. Make sure that they're not a quitter. Make sure that the light blows. But if you marry somebody that's prone to depression, now they're going to be depressed people. They're not going to fight to make life happen. Somebody—I don't know who I'm talking to—but good. because is... somebody's getting ready to marry someone prone to depression, that is a problem. They can't take a blow. They can't take disappointment. That is a problem. Some of you listening to me today, you seasoned married folks, you can say she's right. I know what she's talking about. That person is going to become dependent on something, whether it's, it's mood-altering drugs or, or, or depression, medication or whether it's going to be alcohol or something like that. But uh, when you, how people react in stress when you're dating them is the controlled version. And I just hear God saying, stop marrying cosmetics. So if a person is upset when you're late and they become unruly and very surly, that is abuse waiting to happen because when they own you, they're going to tame you and they're going to do whatever they feel like they need to do to tame you. Some of you young women, and I don't know who you are, you're a young woman and you have this person beating on you now and not telling anybody and telling you it's because he loves you. I'm telling you, you are going to be a battered wife. And if you walk down the aisle with that young man, I promise you by the Holy Ghost, you will be 18 years before you get out. 18 years, you will suffer, and your poor children will have to wonder why they were brought into a life like that. Because abuse doesn't just happen to the spouse, it happens to the kids. You need to stop marrying people when you know that these people cannot create a happy, healthy home. If they can't create a happy, healthy relationship, you got to fight over a date. you got to fight over whether you're going to eat chicken or fish. Everything is tense, and you're constantly being pushed around and bullied. A bully date is a bully mate. I'm saying this to you because the Holy Spirit is telling me, young woman, do not marry that violent boyfriend. Young woman, do not marry that violent boyfriend. Young woman, if he pushes, if he yells, if he steps to you and and he has to send you back home to your family, you need to know the minute you are his family, you become his whipping post. Don't marry this man. I'm telling you, whoever you are, if he screams a lot, trust me, that's a problem. And that may not be that you shouldn't marry him ever. It might be you just need to wait a few years for God to work a few things out of his soul to give him some peace, make him feel like he's secure. Because clearly this young man that I'm talking about cannot handle pressure, any pressure. It doesn't make a difference. You will get beat up because the tire went flat. You will get beat up because the paper boy left the paper down the road. It won't matter. It doesn't matter. My daughter, don't do it. Whoever you are, you've asked, if God tells me I'll know what to do, you've asked God that. I am God's answer to you right now. God is telling you, it will not get better. It will only get worse. And there are perversions there that you don't know about that you will become victim to for all of those 18 years. Make up your mind today that you're worth better. Now, I'm speaking to one particular young woman, but I'm telling you, there are several of you out there right now. You're so excited to have a boy pay attention to you, you put up with anything. And because your parents made that the priority and the prize in your maturing years and your adolescent years, that's all you know. Don't trust society. Don't trust culture. They only want to destroy souls. This society is gripped by Satan and witchcraft, his witchcraft, his darkness, his immorality, gripped by it. He needs that. He needs it because he doesn't like to be evicted. Devils want a home too. I know this is pretty hefty tonight. I can't tell you that it was what I had planned, but I can tell you it's what God had planned. Devil wants they want homes, they, and they need your soul. This whole a whole idea of promiscuity is for you to become a resident of the spirits that's in that person's life. That's what it's all about. It, it, that's why you keep switching out. It's, you know, just keep switching out because they travel best through sex. That's best, and it's the most. that's the best lease they can get is a least through sex because even if the partner goes, they get the sex. Because they've deposited themselves in you. It's sad so many parents are, are encouraging their young women, their young sons and daughters, even down at the age, until the childhood age. Why? These devils are looking for lifelong leases in your soul. These are soul leases. S O U L L E A S D, Soul leases. Who have you leased your soul to? Because... You'll know, and you'll know that person left something in you because when they leave, you can't let go, you can't stop doing whatever, you can't stop dreaming about them, you can't stop thinking about them, and you're looking to replace them everywhere. You can't let it go because they did not let you go. They did their job. They found a home for the spirits they carried. They did their job. Now they're off to the next one and the next one. And it's unfortunate, but if you ask God to open up your eyes, if you are his child, well, it doesn't matter because God's faithful. He told me, and I wasn't faithful. But because God's faithful. He's a faithful creator. And so, but if you ask God to open up your eyes and to show you, you will see the spiritual activity and the spiritual climate around the people you're with. If you ask him, he'll do it. He may only do it once, so you better be quick. And you better do something responsible with this revelation. Because most times God doesn't say anything because he knows you will not act upon it. what he says responsibly anyway. But so he's like, my I'm wasted effort. I'll just wait for the cleanup. Because it's inevitable. Are you following me? Are they following me? Oh, yeah. Just
0: testimony.
1: Oh, good. i got testimonies?
0: You no know
1: people have done it. Honey, it's real. Isn't it yeah. real?
0: Yeah.
1: It's real. And I don't know who that young woman is, but I'm praying that you don't do this. I don't care who is telling you to do it. I remember the Lord talking to me. I was 17 years old, and uh, my first husband was from, he had just come back from Vietnam, and he had a temper. He was me. And I remember We were two weeks out from the wedding, and he stepped to me like he was going to hit me. And I I remember being terrified in my heart, And, uh, and then it left, and I saw something in his eyes, and then I didn't see it any longer. And I remember, before it's all over, this voice, I couldn't say it was God then, now I know it was God, and the voice said, don't marry him. And I answered the voice, and I said, but my mother already paid for the wedding, and they have everything in place, and, and it didn't say not another word. And I, I mean, from the, from the first night onward, there was violence and violence and abuse. And I remember it must have been after my daughter was born, and I think that um, things were really bad. But I remember talking to my mom. She had to come and get me because I was on the street, I was out. I had no reason to go. I'm pregnant. And I remember talking to her, and she said, well, why didn't you tell me that he was doing that? See, what people don't realize is you are so humiliated that you made such a bad choice, you don't want anybody to know that you made that big a mistake. You just don't want anybody to know. You want everybody to think that you can do it. Meanwhile, in your heart, you think this magical thing is going to happen to stop it. And it doesn't stop. And it gets worse year after year. And I remember what it's like to have that panic. I'm talking to my young woman right now. I remember what it's like to hear the car drive up in my heart, jump in my chest, scared, not knowing what's going to walk in the door. I remember being terrified to get up in the morning, and I hated to go to bed at night because I never knew. I remember hating the weekends most because that's when they were the worst. I remember the feeling. And I don't think I'll ever forget it. I remember being nearly killed in a bathtub. See, I remember that. And I'm telling you, if I had just been a Christian at that time, I would have known that that was the voice of God and that he was trying to save my life. But nobody could tell me anything because, after all, everybody said he was cute and he was fine. You know how they go. But I'm telling you, sweetheart, it doesn't get better. It only goes downhill from the day after the wedding. And it may take three months for it to kick in. It may take a year. But when it kicks in, it never stops because it's addictive to you and it's addictive to him. So whoever you are, don't do this because you will not, you will not have an opportunity to jump out. Because, see, deliverance has a day. We don't tell people that, but God says that people have a day of deliverance. Just like he says they have a day of salvation. People have a day. You can prophesy, you can pray, you can fast, you can, I mean, do anything you want. But until that day of salvation comes, that day when their soul has opened up, has emptied out and opened up, when that day comes, They're running to the church, running to the Lord, running to a Christian, running to a salvation, running to a meeting, because that's that day. I don't care how many days they hung out, they visited church, I visited church, I hung out for years, almost 20 years, and all of a sudden I remember the day that I was to get saved. I remember driving, having a near-miss, almost having a head-on collision with a truck. And I didn't know anything about God other than I was supposed to get saved. And I was I was going to a, a revival meeting. It was after work, and the people in the back of the car were terrified. I said, "Oh no, I'm not going to die today because I got to get saved." Because when it's your day, you know it's my day, it's my time, it's my window, and deliverance is the same thing. That's why God tells you not to walk into certain situations because that captivity has a Date, an expiration date. And it's not the day you get sorry. It's not the day you're tired. It is not the day that you can't stand it anymore because you you can look back in your life and see that you've had, before you finally walked away, you have many, 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 many days. And you, many nights, you have times that you walked away only to drive around the block and come back. You've had, I know about this because I live there has a day of salvation. I don't care if it's a marriage, if it's addiction, affliction. I don't care what it is. Even a job, you could be at a bad job and can't quit that job until the day. And and that day comes, and you have no idea what made it any different. Most times, there's nothing traumatic happening at all. But still, you walk away because that is the day. And being married to the wrong person is like that, unless you are just a person who flips from person to person and marriage to marriage. Most people who stay in a long time are people that should not have gotten married young. I said to my young women after having them for about five years, and I said, my concern about you all is that when you, what you do, you mean it when you're in, you're in, you give your all to it. So I'm praying that you do not meet anybody who is not worthy of your loyalty and your devotion, because if they're wrong, you're gonna suffer for it. Because faithful spouses suffer because of their faithfulness. So I'm saying to you all today, whoever you are, I need you to think differently about this. And I hope this council will speak to a few pastors who feel it's their God's duty to, to be the date, dating club in the church, to be the matchmaker. Stop matchmaking the people of God. They're going to do enough by themselves. It's best that we encourage them and train them to pick the right person and to know when it's their time. Because anything done out of season is a flop. Anything. Because there's no support. Seasons bring Support. Seasons bring resources. Seasons bring solutions. There's more to seasons than a cloud, calendar and a clock, a leaf on the ground, a snow falling. Seasons bring a lot with them. And, 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 you know, I have a class that I teach on the 21, uh, is it the 21, 28 seasons of your prophetic pro- progress? And, and, and you'd be surprised what happens while God is bringing his word to pass, what he's doing. To bring his word to pass. And you'll be surprised how many mid misses you have while you're en route to the real deal. How about that, Prophetess? Amen. <laughs> I
0: know I've had a few. Thank God for you. <laughs> oh, <stay> there, <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: What are some of my comments? Oh,
0: man. Okay. Let's, I know you have a comment. I know the last word. Uh, let's see. I'd love to hear from them. Um, okay, let's see. It took, what is this? Hmm, okay, this is Barbara saying, it took one hour, one hour after getting married. He left me to go be with my best friend. I should have gotten out then, but I thought I was in love and it got worse. Stayed in for 10 years and 10 years later was still holding out thinking he was coming back. And he had married someone else the same day he divorced me in the same courtroom. Mm, mm, mm. Listen, people, you don't want to go down this road. Listen to apostle Pauls right. Uh She is seeking the truth. Truth. Yeah. Mm. Jesus. Wow. Oh. Okay, let me real. see here. Uh, I saw another one up here that just said shared. It was Tina talking about, uh, I, I didn't read the whole thing because it went on, but she was talking about, Pushed into marriage, I think at 21, mm-hmm. at college knew she should have been in church. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. And she said, Please listen to Apostle Paul Christ. she's <laughs> telling you the truth. It is the truth. It is the truth. And then, of course, the, um, oh, here it is. Let me see. She said, I'm right there with you, Apostle Paul Christ. I lived in hell, being getting married, behind getting married, because the church told me I was supposed to. I was a kid in college, and I knew I wasn't supposed to get married, but I listened to the church. Lord have mercy. Mm -hmm. And then when you talk about the shame, Mm -hmm. the shame and humiliation will keep you silent in abusive relationships. Oh, my. She said, been there, done that, free of last, free of last. Thank God, God, (laughs) Almighty! I'm telling you. you.
1: You know, and you don't realize how sorrowful you are. And every day is a fake. Holidays are fake. Celebrate, everything's a fake, and the more, the more abused you are at home, the more publicly affectionate they are to to, to make everybody think it's okay. You know, I don't like PDA anyway because I I can't understand why I got to be up in your bedroom, down your throat, and in your tongue. So I got a problem with that. Yes, yes. already, because I feel like I can't. I, that's not any of my business. I always had a problem with it, but I have found that when you get that excessive PDA, there is sin on the line. I don't care if it's sin that's been forgiven and they're trying to prove they're never going to do it again. I'm trying to strengthen my spouse so he or she knows that I won't cheat again or whether there is abuse or whether there is infidelity that's being glossed over with all of this public affection. I'm telling you, because strong marriages don't need a stage. Mm. And they don't need an audience. Powerful marriages don't need a stage, and they don't need an audience, and they prefer not to have them. They're the you know the strong marriages, the one that say, "I do not need to rent a blimp because I don't want everybody in on this on our intimate moments. I, I don't need to rent a blimp." And, and 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 she said, "I don't need you to rent a blimp because I'm gonna say no because I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Don't don't follow that, guys. That's the, don't follow that." And if, you need to, if that's what you need, trust me, that's what you're going to have to keep doing. You're going to have to keep vesting your last best to keep the thrill in, to keep the fire going. And so I just hear God saying to somebody tonight, you don't want to build on the foundation of the spectacular because the spectacular is infrequent. You want to build on the foundation of the every day. I love you just because you're you. I appreciate you. I remember you. You're important to me. You're valuable. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't even marry somebody because they're cute, because cute fades. And now you're stuck. Cute fades, and you want to go find another cute thing, which means you're going to be an adulterer. Because cute doesn't make good. Cute makes a picture. Doesn't make a marriage. <laughs> Cute, a good picture. You know, you I are mean, now, come on. You know, I look at all of this, we make all of this big deal about it, but you know, you realize you look at an attractive person once you're done. And unless they're your close friend, they don't even cross your mind again. You admire that as a you. So you shouldn't marry them because they're cute. You should marry them because they're for you. Because they care about you. And if they happen to be cute, all the better. If they don't, if they're not, all the better. Because I'm going to tell you something, a really potent person on the inside may not have the features of a model, but I'm telling you, that strength, strength is prettier, honesty and fidelity is prettier than any features you can ever have. Because, honey, let me tell you, when you deal with that strength, that something about strength, you, almost, you don't care about it. You, you ever notice people overlook very mighty strong people? And even if they're not kids, they overlook it. They're like, oh, no, no, but there's something about them. There's something about it. There's a beauty there. You need to know what to look for instead of picking what you're looking at. Am I saying it or am I saying
0: it? (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you keep marrying what you're looking at. And you look at a picture, but you look into a spouse. So if you want to to live your life with a daily museum, that's fine. Come on and put
0: that on a poster, Dr. Price. Put
1: that on a poster. Put it on a poster. (laughs) Because you keep marrying what you're looking at. Mm. I'm looking at her eyes. I'm looking at her butt. I'm looking at his chest. I'm looking at his hair. You're looking at. You're marrying what you're looking at. So somebody help me. Woo! Come on,
0: come on. Now that's all right. Bring <laughs> it Because that's what
1: God is saying. He said, so you got these look-at marriages. She's gonna look great in her gown that she's gonna wear for four hours and never fit again. He's gonna look pow- powerful in that rented tux and not wanna wear it again. Stop marrying what you're looking at. Stop becoming engaged to what you're looking at. Just because I like to, uh, just because you like to look at them, doesn't mean you want to live with them. Woo! Some things need to be a picture on the wall. Just take a snapshot and that's it. Be done with it. Because you have got to know to look into the soul. Because in the soul is where you find the person. You can dress up a body, but you cannot hide a soul. That soul is going to give give itself away. I'm telling you It's It's going to give itself away. And so God is saying to me and to you all, you're so so caught up, you won't even build up yourself. You want this powerful spouse, and you're not even powerful enough to keep it, to earn it, let alone keep it. If you believe that God called you to marry great, then spend some time making yourself great. If you believe God called you to, to marry rich, then spend some time being rich, making yourself rich understanding what to do with someone else's riches. If you believe that God called you to marry somebody in public life then spend your time doing that. If you believe that God called you to marry somebody with a the business and spend some time with that. You know, I often tell the story of Ruth. And I like the story of Ruth because the way we tell Ruth, you think she's a hallmark show. No, Ruth was rough, dusty, literally. And he never once talked, Boaz never once talked, Talked about her appearance, not once. He just called her a young woman. He talked about her diligence. He talked about her energy. He talked about her her um, conduct, her morality. He did not talk about her appearance. He said that. You, he talked about her faithfulness. He said, but you could have ran after all of the young men. So obviously she must have been somewhat appealing. He said, but you chose me because she did not need young men being cute. She needed somebody who was going to take care of her and her mother-in-law. And so he never, ever talked about her appearance. What won him was her hard work and the fact that she gave him an honest day's work, a full day's work, For a full day's pay. And that she did it when everybody else was goofing off and everybody, the other young women were chasing the men, she did not. He noticed those things about her. And you know why he noticed it, sisters? Let me tell you, since I am a sister, he noticed it because he was a wealthy man. He noticed it because he was an accomplished man. He noticed it because he was a powerful man. And he wanted, he noticed her because he wanted to make sure that what he brought into his house and exposed to his wealth would not waste it, would not take advantage of him, would not turn out to be a lazy dick on the living room waiting for salon treatment after salon treatment after salon treatment. He knew that she would work with him. He knew that she would be by his side. He knew she would put her hands to the plow with him. And that's why he noticed her, not because she was cute, because anybody out there in the field all day running around in the hot sun picking up some sheets, baby, you need a cute or sweet. You stink and you're dusty. So what you got to run on better be from the inside. And he noticed her because he watched how she took care of his fields. Now, she did it for her money. But he noticed that she. Stu- everybody needs money. We got, we got people need money now. We'll go to work, leave early, come late, don't do what you're supposed to do, dodging work, trying to take a break, three breaks in a day, going to the bathroom 16 times, complaining of a bladder issue while you go smoke or talk on the phone and carrying on. See, you think that people in position don't notice. The, the man that you're trying to get knows that you're a goof off because you're goofing off and he's watching you now. The woman that you want to get, she already knows that you can't deliver for her life because you're not delivering for your own. These are things that people don't tell you. But somebody needs to give you a fighting chance to at least acknowledge this is an issue and be able to do something about it. Because I'm telling you, if you just marry because of your affections, they go. But if you marry for all of the other things that make people powerful, that make people prosperous, and that make marriages perpetual, then that's something different. And so I would encourage you all as you, as you continue to, I'm trying to find my mate. First of all, stop trying to find your mate. If God doesn't know where your mate is, all you're looking in the world doesn't matter. God knew where Isaac's mate was. God knew where Jacob's mate was. So you need to be talking about I'm trying to get ready for my mate. If you're going to be a good husband, you're going to be good while you wait. If you're going to be a good wife, you're going to be good while you wait. All of this thing, I'll just keep dating until, we, until I find the right one. That's flesh. That's just flesh. Because if that worked, why do we have so many divorces? Obviously, that strategy doesn't work. Nobody's getting money off your dating life but the dating companies. Meanwhile, you're being trained for divorce because a constant dating life teaches you how to break up, how to deceive, how to manipulate, how to maneuver, how to disrespect, how to lie to, how to con, how to pretend, how to delude, because that's what the game is all about. You start out with putting on clothes that you never wear. You start out with, with phrasing, taking, some of you all even taking classes from lying teachers. This is how you get them to do this. This is how you get them to do that. This is how you get them to do this. And if you think that it's all about your, your, your hot night in bed, forget it. Because anybody who can jump in the bed on the first date will jump in the bed on every date, which means they jump, you took a lot, even you are part of a long list. And do you really want to marry somebody who doesn't care where you were and who you've been with? Do you want to be that person? Because this whole dating thing today is all about divorce. I promise you, it's all about divorce. It is not about long marriages. Because when you have a dating situation and you're just, playing the field, and you're just back out there trying to figure out who's who. First of all, we already know you're not praying. We already know that. How are you going to be a Christian and think God doesn't know where you made it? God literally sent Abraham to go get Isaac's wife. He knew where she was. He sent Abraham to go get him. He said, go to this place, and this is what I want you to do. He sent Jacob to get two wives. He didn't want the first one, but that's okay. God wanted the first one. Clearly, God wanted the first one. Obviously, her genes were, were more to his liking. But God knew where they were. He knew that. And so you need to understand, if, if, if that's your reason, you need to realize God knows where your mate is. What God needs to know is, are you going to be worthy of the mate he's, protect, he's been preserving for you? Sometimes God is waiting for you to become a better spouse and not such a great bride and groom. Sometimes, Ashley, it's just that simple,
0: yeah.
1: you know. How are we doing over there with the periscope?
0: Lighten it up. <laughs> <laughs> said, yes, oh, my gosh. The
1: That's periscope right. is lighting it up. God said even those
0: parts get old.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but we dropped it so says water break please. It's hot in you. <laughs> I'm doing water I'm gonna sit thank you. I'll have a sip. <laughs> I'll have a sip. Oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody says that you are hitting with the truth, hitting a phone runs tonight. That's why I'm saying
1: this is good. Wow. Amen. I said, get off the sand and stand on the solid foundation. Oh, get off right. the sand. I oh, know that's right. I know it. You know, I really do. And I'll and I tell you something. If your church is a dating ring, a matchmaking club, you need to understand that there are a whole lot of spirits out to, in that church that's authorized to seduce you into marriages that are doomed. And I'm telling you, if that's a big deal, you know, the things that I've often said, when you go there, if your church is based on marriage, single people will never feel at home in a church like that, and and you will fall into sin. If you have to look at your pastor and his wife licking and lapping in the pulpit, holding hands, stroking each other, constantly pre- presenting this, this Ken and Bob, Barbie issue or image, you will fall. I've talked to so many male pastors And you see the mail. And I said, you know, it may look really good for you to stroke your wife and follow her in public. Now, Dr. Price, since y'all say I'm there, I got seven minutes. I'm here to blow your mind because I haven't done that yet.
0: Okay.
1: So, So lean in and hold on. Lean in. Hold on. So you think it's really nice for them to see that you and, and the first lady are so in love. You're stroking her, petting her, kissing her, fondling her, all in public. But, see, you got single men out there who have to go home and dream about your wife. You have, to, you have married men who have to go home who, with two women who don't look like your wife, who will compel them to be like your wife because they want what you have. That is an envy, covetous, lustful, provoking practice. And all you pastors need to give it up because if you're not going to give her away, then you need to cover her because I've talked to him. I can't. can't, Dr. Price, help me. I keep dreaming about the pastor's wife. What what are you dreaming about? She's setting up. you two steps. from four in the pulpit. And he's sitting there struggling. You have women who are going home, go, just giving themselves to anybody, just to relieve themselves from what you've aroused. See, the spirit of fornication starts with you. And these single people can't be happy being single because you want them to be. You want them to envy you. I was in churches. I went to one church and I thought, God, that's a pornographic devil. I don't care what you're saying. Yes, I did. And I bound him up. Yes, I did. And, don't, yeah, and I know y'all love me dearly. I know that. But understand, somebody needs to give the other side of the story. It may make good photo shoot, but it's terrible for your members. It is terrible for the single people in your congregation. It is horrible for them trying to stay holy. It is horrible. I and mean, then you sitting there talking about what y'all did last night and what you did on your vacation and carrying on. And then you said, but y'all keep it clean now. Y'all keep it clean. They can't keep it clean because you made it dirty. You dirty it, and God holds you responsible for their fall, their blood, their immorality on you and your spouse's hands. I cannot, I can't, I I try to wrap my head around that because that is the least professional thing you can do. If you didn't get it in the morning and get it on the way home, if it's too hot, go to the car, on the way, pull off to the side of the road, stop at a hotel, but stop tormenting the people in your congregation. And I know that there are single people out there that know what I'm talking about. And I know some of you all can even testify to it because I've counseled them. I've counseled women who said, my, I just wish my husband was more like pastor. I just wish my husband are you kidding me? You are, you're dooming their marriages. You're putting swords and, and, and you're putting an, uh, tension between them because they are trying to live your image. And you are not living your image because it was all that great. That wouldn't be where you'd be doing it. You're showcasing something, but I know it's not love because love does no harm to its neighbor, and that's harmful. That is harmful. That is a breach of the love commandment, a violation of God's love standard for family and for church. So I told you, hold on. Did I not say hold on? So you want to have men dreaming about your wife, and you think that's fine because you think, yeah, because I got it and she hot. Some of you all won't even cover your wives up because you want some man to dream about her. You want some guy to have some wet dream about your wife. That's why you won't cover her up. That's why you let her walk around with her boob swinging in the wind and her butt slapping all over the place because you don't really love her. You want you want to make her appear like she's a wanting woman, and you want to turn everybody else wanting for your wife. Because if you really cared, you would cover your gift. If she was a gift to you, you would cover her. And if she felt she was a gift to you, she would want to. Because you, people who buy precious gifts, don't make them public. You see the most expensive gifts in the world. They, they're undercover, lock and key. You can't get to them. You might be able to see it in the picture. They even pick and choose who can see it in, in, in person. No, you don't love your wife because if you did, you would treasure her as a gift from God, not a public spectacle. And that's what heaven sees. You know, God said that we, you know, we have to do certain things for the sake of the angels. And everybody wondered, what's that? Because angels are, are guarding the church. And fallen angels are how this thing got started. Since I only have two minutes, I just thought I'd throw that in. Y'all still loving them? Are they still loving them?
0: Oh, yeah. Some of us slept that child, hit that Come on. All right. Once, twice, thrice. All right. All right. <laughs> Death. The
1: death has been fully slapped. <laughs> Beautifully
0: slapped. That's
1: right. Well, I I gave you what God had. I spent a, 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 a cookie nose. It's over. See, we're coming to the end. I gave you what the Lord gave me today for you. Whoever you are, I pray that it's a blessing to you. Don't forget to join me on... Uh, Thursday morning at eleven o'clock for the Paula Price Show. Thursday evening for Prophetic Ed. And in the meantime, go to my website, DrPaulaAPrice.com, Get some materials. I even have marriage seminar up there, webinars up there for marriage. You can purchase them and share them with your teams. Cause... Okay, because they have stuff. So share them with your teams so that you can give them some wisdom. These are real world things. Marriage is not just about the body. It isn't. I know we are taught you that, but it isn't. It's about so many more things that God wants you to bring into existence other than children together. And then on top of that, don't forget we have our women's date coming up, which is April 14th 14th and 15th here in Tulsa. As you can see, I can counsel you. Women, come join me here in Tulsa, 14th and 15th. We'll celebrate the resurrected Christ afterwards, or we'll let you out early, and you can get back home to do all of it that you have to do. But don't miss this opportunity. Maybe your day of deliverance, you don't want to miss that window. Hallelujah. And then June, we have our annual Telfer Prophetic Training Institute. You want want to be here. Go to my website. Get all of this information. And do me a big favor. After you revisit this, before you revisit this, Share it and share it with everybody you know. Anybody you think needs to get this kind of information, give it to them. Anybody you think should have it and they don't want it, give it to them. Let them deal with it. Love you so very much. I do this because you're important to me. So important, I want to give you a fighting chance to win in Jesus. God bless you and good night.